You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Getting in the Word. What a privilege it is to be together. And if you're joining us on other platforms via video, welcome to you as well. We are always delighted to have you join us live on Facebook, Twitter, all of the platforms that are available, YouTube. We are trying to try to get everywhere we can. And for those on Telegram, welcome. It's uh, always good to be together. And uh, what a time we have to uh, rejoice with one another this morning as we open God's Word. Uh, we've been working through a little uh, devotional time together, and my intention with this is to uh, help you in your personal Bible study in which uh, we read a portion of Scripture, chapter 3 of Romans. We've been working through uh, chapter by chapter each week through the book of Romans, and we are in chapter 3 today, so I'll read it. And then this isn't really uh, a place where we want to debate theology. Um, I'm simply trying to encourage you as the reader of God's Word to uh, have some personal reflection. And so we are going over what we call the specs, S-P-E-C-S, sins to avoid, promises to keep, examples to follow, commands to obey, and Scripture to memorize. And so that's what we'll do. We'll read chapter 3, and then I want your engagement, and I want you to write down some of those things that you see are important. As, as they show themselves to be true in the fact that here we can find in the text of God's Word there, there is sin to avoid, that there are promises to keep, there are examples to follow, there are commands to obey, and there are certainly scriptures we can memorize. And so, again, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you. It's always a delight, always a privilege to have each one of you uh, joining us. And thanks to the admin as they carry the channel in the background so that I can do what I do, and they are are extremely helpful so that I can focus on that. Let me pray, and then we'll jump right in. I I hope the sound is working on uh, all the other uh, platforms, and so we'll get some text messages, I'm sure, pretty soon. If they are not, maybe the admin can just let me know that Rumble's working um, and such. So let me pray. And then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for this day that you have blessed us with the privilege of prayer to approach your throne of grace. And thank you that you do offer each day your mercy and your grace. And God, we come today and we ask for forgiveness, Lord, for our sins, the things we've done that uh, maybe we we don't even know that we've done uh, intentionally. And so, God, we pray that you forgive us, that you Grant us this daily mercy that you offer so that we can just claim First John 1, 9, God, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as we come today, we open your word. We want to open your word and read it with a pure heart. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word, for it is alive and it is active and it is accurate. And it is absolutely sufficient. So, Lord, be with each one. Use your word to convict us of sins to avoid and to encourage us of promises to keep and to remind us of examples uh, to follow 
and instruct us in commands to obey. And then, God, allow us to be reminded that we should meditate on your word day and night, that we would hide the word of God in our hearts. So give us the scripture to memorize. I pray for each one as they hear, that they are able to apply that to their lives, that they would be encouraged through your word today. We ask these things in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, again, thanks for joining us. If you're joining us for the first time, we're going to be reading through Romans chapter 3. And in Romans chapter 3, when we're through, we're going to, again, go over the specs. I'll unmute the chat, allow each one of you to share. If you're on Rumble, if you're on Facebook, you're welcome to uh, post in the chat there, or you're welcome to join us via audio as well on uh, Telegram. And so let me begin by reading Romans chapter 3. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief would not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true. Every, though every man be found a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I am speaking in human terms. May it never be. For otherwise, how would God judge the world? But if through my lie the truth of God abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as we are slanderously reported, and as some claim the, the, that we say, let us do evil that good may come, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is, there is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And though the law comes, the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteous of God through faith in Jesus Christ 
For those who believe, there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation for His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sin previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. There then is boasting. Where then is their boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? Of works? No, but, but by a law of faith. For we remain maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jew only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God, who, ju- who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be On the contrary, we establish the law. Thus ends the reading of Romans chapter 3. Well, let's go ahead and and unmute the chat and give individuals an opportunity uh, this morning to um, just respond. And uh, maybe you, as we read this, you saw some sins to avoid, promises to keep, examples to follow, commands to obey, um, and uh, scripture to memorize. And so let's go ahead, un- unmute the chat, and allow those folks to respond. And uh, the objective, I hope, is that as we go through this week, um, we'll be in chapter 4, Lord willing, next Tuesday. Um, and and if that is the case, then I hope that you'll read through chapter 4 this week and really digest that and allow um, the Word of God to penetrate your heart and so that you can begin to work through this so that when we meet together that you have some input, that would be very helpful. So go ahead, one at a time. Uh, I'll open the floor. Sins to avoid, promises to keep, examples to follow, commands to obey, and Scripture to memorize from Romans chapter 3. Go ahead. Morning. Good morning. The only, only problem I have is I have confessed quite a few times and repented, and I have even went up to the altar and they've all prayed, <clears throat> and I'm almost there. But how do I forgive myself for what I have done? You broke up there. I'm, I apologize. DG, DJ, T. Say that one more time. I heard the end. How do you forgive yourselves? Um, I said I, I have repented, and I even have went to the altar where the preacher and people have prayed over me. And I'm almost there, but how do I get myself all the way there to forgive myself for my sins? 
Yeah. So that's a great question, and I think one that needs to be addressed because I think Romans 3 just lays the platform, um, DJT, to understand the gospel. Uh, first thing we have to come to grips with is that there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 6.23, or Romans 3.23. And then when you come here to verse 20, it says, because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, though, though through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Here's the deal. This is not uh, uh, salvation, being born again is not about your ability to forgive yourself. Being born again, being forgiven, is about trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay, It isn't about going to an altar. It isn't about a pastor praying over you. It isn't even about you forgiving yourself necessarily as much as it is your dependence and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And here's the platform for it. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is a problem. You, me, all of humanity have a sin problem. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. So the reality is this. When God created mankind, he created them perfect in unity and in fellowship with him in the garden. There was no sin. There was no suffering. There was none of that. But God said, listen, you may eat freely from all of these trees, but from this tree you shall not eat. You, the day you eat, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve that day ate of the tree, and they died. Now, did they die physically? Of course not, but they died spiritually. And because they died spiritually, we, like them, have inherited this now sin nature. We are like them in that we are sinners. Psalm 51.5 says we were born into iniquity. And so from the very beginning of time, we have broken that relationship with God. And man, woman, tries to reestablish that broken relationship by going to the altar, by going to the church, by praying. And here's the deal. None of those things will save you. None of those things will redeem you. None of those things will allow you to go before a holy and righteous and perfect God. Okay? Because you are sinful. And here's the deal. That sin must be paid for. And so Christ has paid for that sin. He became the avenue, the, the method by which God provided for you and me and all of humanity to be saved. And that's why he can say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so here's the deal. It's not about you being able to forgive yourself. It's about you being able to trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son into the world because there was a problem, and the problem was sin, and God sent his son to pay for that sin on Calvary's cross. And when he was crucified in John 19.30, he said, to Telestai, it is paid in full, it is finished. He paid for your sins, past, present, and future. And now the reality is, is once he's died, he's been buried and raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. So he became your substitute. 
He became your substitute, giving you the opportunity and the privilege to, to receive his righteousness. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on a behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not because of our deeds, not because of our efforts. We, we know that it's not by the work of the law that we will be justified. That means be declared right. Why? Because we're guilty. We need to be deemed justified, not guilty. And the only way we can do that, my friend, is to be covered in the blood of the Lamb. We must trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way that you will be at peace with God is when you experience the peace of God. And the only way you can experience the peace of God is by trusting in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, then the Bible says when you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And when you are saved, he comes to take up residence in you, and he will give you assurance of your salvation. Is there a process by which we are you know, progressively sanctified or continually grow more and more into the image of Christ? Yes. But positionally, when you trust in the gospel, the Bible says you are saved. And when you are saved, he will continue to grow you and sanctify you and make you more like his son. So it's not about your ability to forgive yourself. It's about your ability to trust in God, to trust in the provision that God has provided for you into salvation. And so I think that Romans 3 sets up the, 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 the fact that there is a sin to avoid, and that's to think that you can somehow uh, receive God's forgiveness by going to an altar, by doing anything in your own deeds. Because, listen, the reality is, is sin is not fixable by our deeds and our efforts. It is only fixed by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, but it is a free gift of God, lest no man boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So I hope that answers your question. I hope that helps. And if there anybody struggling with that today, I pray that that would be an encouragement to you. So I hope that helps. Anybody else? Good morning. Hey, Derek, morning. how are you, friend? I'm fine. How are you? If I got any better, I'd, I don't know what I would do with myself. <laughs> uh, sins to avoid, uh, I really think lying. Um, even the smallest of lies, this, this, this chapter is pretty clear on, on lying and what it leads to. Um, it, uh, it, to me, um, if, if you stay as a liar, there, there are other sins will become more prevalent because you're just going to keep lying. Um, so I, I, you know, I think God, I, I don't, I think lying's pretty high up on his list of things he does not like. Obviously he doesn't like sin, no sin, but lying is I once had a guy tell me he would rather somebody steal from him than lie on him. And when I was young, I couldn't understand that. But he said, if you steal from me, you get me once. If you lie on me, you get me over and over again because who believes it and what can it do in the community? Uh, yeah, I think I really think lying is is something a, a sin to to avoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God hates a liar, and uh, it's so easy in our day to fall into that trap because it doesn't matter how big of a lie, <laughs> right? Even a small lie is a lie, 
and and God wants us to be honest. God wants us to be truthful. Um, and God is not a liar. It's his, his character is truth. And our desire and our hope as believers is to reflect the, the character of God and uh, to, to live a righteous life. And, and so, yeah, I think we, we ought to repent uh, as individuals um, for our lying. And, um, and it is easy, easy to fall into, isn't it, uh, to, to kind of bend the, the rules there um, because it will save us or help us somewhere along the line. So, yeah, perfect, yeah. Meaning a lie to yourself as well. It's not just lying to other people. Is it talks? I mean, you can. This talks about even lying to yourself. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So there's sins of omission. Uh, you know that uh, that we've done and and didn't even know we've done it, and then we look back and we go, "Oh man, I did that." And when you say, "Hey, lying's a sin," many of us are sitting around going, "Hmm, when did I? When's the last time I lied?" And that's what the Word of God does, right? It, it penetrates our heart and convicts us of sin and, and righteousness. And the Holy Spirit does that. And so that's the beauty of it. So thank you. Yes, great. Don't, don't, uh, don't fall into the trap of lying. So sins to avoid lying. Good. Anybody else? Um, Pastor, the... For me, one that's been a struggle has been the original sin of, of hmm. pride. Amen, um, David. Amen. I think we have to be we have to be very mindful of of that and keep it under control. Thanks, blessing. Yeah, pride is kind of the root of all sins. Um, it's 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 hidden down there deep and and uh, and shows itself in many different ways. Pride can even be the root of lying. Um, and so, yeah, uh, pride can be the root of so many different sins, and I believe in, in some sense it is. Uh, so, yeah, great, great point, David. Yeah, we, we have to uh, evaluate our lives and everything we do because many, I think, again, this is, this is um, a, a, a chapter that deals with justification, the doctrine of justification. That's, uh, that's being declared right. It's a legal term. Um, you are guilty before God, and when you are saved, you are justified. You are no longer guilty. You're declared right before God, and that is because the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, not in our own deeds and not in our own efforts. That's pride. Pride says, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished, and therefore I equate to this. And so when you hear somebody say, well, I believe you must do this in order to go to heaven. I believe that this must take place in order for you to go to heaven. They're missing the point. that They may have missed the, the reality that salvation is of the Lord, and what they should be saying is if these things are happening, then there's a problem. doesn't necessarily mean there is a, a lost soul, but pride will keep you from repenting. Pride will keep you from admitting Pride will keep you from telling the truth. Pride will keep you from the kingdom of God. And so, uh, David, I think you're right on. I think there is the sin of pride um, in, in that we um, are easily swayed to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. So thank you. Anybody else? Sins to avoid, promises to keep, examples to follow, commands to obey, Scripture to memorize. 
Good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Laura. Um, How are you? I'm well. Good. Um, thank you um, for being here again today. You're so yeah. faithful. Uh, oh, we're um, glad to be here. It's a privilege. Well, I'm so glad to be here as well. Um, I think that um, 19 and 20 are um, wonderful verses to memorize. Um, they remind us that the purpose of the law is to stop every mouth and um, that we are all made guilty before God by the law and that um, by the deeds of the law that no flesh are justified in his sight and that we um, are all given the knowledge of sin by the law. Right, yeah. No, I think that's great. I think uh, that's a great observation from the text. And, uh, again, example to follow. Um, here we have the instruction of what, uh, what the law does and what the law does not do. And, um, and so, yeah, great, great point. Um, yeah, that could even be a great scripture to memorize, a, a portion of scripture, because we live in a day when there are so many people who are concerned about their works and their deeds and their efforts that they miss the gospel. They miss the, the, the important aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, good, good point, uh, Laura. Uh, High Desert asked a, asked a question here as well. Uh, if God forgives us should, should, uh, of our sins, shouldn't we forgive ourselves? Again, I don't think it's about forgiving yourself. Um, that's a Whitney Houston theology. Learning to love yourself is the greatest gift of all. Um, I, I guess my point is, is when you trust in Jesus Christ, your confidence your your grasp of forgiveness is based on the work of Jesus Christ, and therefore, if you are truly regenerated from death to life, from the power of Satan to God, you are born again, you are made alive, you have a new nature, right? So you have a sinful nature. When you're born in the world, you can't please God, you can't do the things that honor God, but when you are born again, you are saved, you are redeemed, you are made alive, you, you, you are giving a new nature. You are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. Listen, I believe that when you understand the gospel, when you, you, when you are genuinely saved, there's no way you're going to hold that over your head. Because you can't accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and be forgiven of your sins if they still are on your head. You haven't trusted Christ in the gospel. So it's a double-sided coin, really, high desert, uh, that that forgiving yourselves. It's not about forgiving yourselves. When Jesus forgives you, you accept his forgiveness. It is trusting God at what he has promised. And he has promised to whoever will call upon his name shall be saved. Whoever believes the gospel shall be saved. So the reality is, is when you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those things will take care of themselves. So we just have to trust in what God's promises are. So I hope that's helpful in that, brother. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Pastor? Hey, yeah, brother. that's not really what I was trying to write. I was just I was thinking I was thinking that um, you know, if God forgives our sins, shouldn't we be able to forgive ourselves, you know, and not hold our sins over our head? You know, uh, beating ourselves down all the time for what we have done. Amen. You know, I'm not trying. To be, I'm not trying to be that Whitney. Houston, you know, taking, you know, none of that nonsense. No, no, you know, no. I'm just saying that. You know, I. You know what I mean. 
Right? Yeah, I, I was. I guess my point is, is I was just clarifying for anybody who might read that and think, I, I certainly know you well enough to know that's not what you meant. Um, but there are many who think uh, that 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 is the case. Um, and 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 I believe that the scriptures are clear that uh, we are to simply trust in the gospel. The devil wants to hold your past over your head, but if God the King of kings and Lord of lords has cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Why in the world would I ever want to think about it over my head, right? Like if God doesn't remember that sin, if he's cast that sin away, then who am I? That's That would really be pride uh, that I would hold that over my head. Um, and so I think that's what the enemy does. The enemy wants to bring up your past. He will use people to attack your past. Do we all have a past? Of course we have a past. But I'm a new creation in Christ. The old things have what? Passed away. Behold, the new have come. Therefore, I'm going to stand in the new. I'm going to trust God at his word and uh, believe that the gospel is the power to save. And when he saves, he redeems. And when he redeems, he makes new. And you are indeed a new creation if you're born again. And therefore, the old things that are creeping in, Paul says, I forget what lies behind and press on to the goal that lies ahead. So that would be my encouragement. Just keep pressing on and remind yourself uh, that, that of, of this truth that God forgives sin. He takes away the sins of the world. So that is a reality for the life of the believer. Their sins are forgiven, and uh, it, 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 it deems a lack of faith to think that those sins are still there and that they should come up. I mean, I've got a tremendous past with lots of sin. Many people who know me probably watching who know my past, and that's okay. I, I don't, the, the past is the past. I'm a new creation in Christ, and God's grace and God's sufficiency has saved me, redeemed me, and made me new, and therefore I'm going to walk in, in the newness of life. So, yeah. Any other promises to keep, examples to follow, Commands to obey, sins to avoid, and all those good things. Romans chapter 3. Anybody else? Hi, Pastor Stewart. Hey, KW. Go ahead, friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Um, There's one point that I think um, being new into understanding salvation is um number 18 there's no fear of god before their eyes and i think for myself um just having the awe of the greatness and the glory that we should give god i don't think you know we do that enough or we don't understand that that's part of the fear of god is just understanding just the greatness that he encompasses in our lives and, and who he is. And sometimes we forget about that and we get caught up in, you know, the being, am I forgiven if I'm not forgiven, but just the, the, you know, the, just the wondrous of him, um, I think plays in and we need to have that fear of God. We need to have that just, you know, we, and it's hard to comprehend just the greatness that he has. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that is a, a great reminder. 
Uh, for the unbeliever, the fear of God is, is ultimately the fear of what? Judgment. Um, what's interesting is that those who uh, profess that they don't believe in God, um, that God has made it evident to them. We looked at that in Romans chapter 1, and so they are without excuse. So by their own, by the common grace that God has given to humanity is that he has written the law of God on their hearts. So they know what they're doing is wrong, but they suppress, Romans chapter 1 says, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so because they want to do what they want to do, and many times, I think we're living in a day when God is giving people over to a depraved mind. I, I, I don't think there is any way around what we are seeing because what we are seeing is absolutely a lack of a fear of God. And the Bible says the beginning, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so um, I, I think um, that, that we need to, to have this. Uh, for the believer, the fear of God is much different. It's more like a reverence. It's more of an all of who God is. Um, and so what we see is the necessity um, to be reminded of this truth, is that, that, that therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews uh, 12, 28, and 29. And so the, the, the reality is, is yes, you are, you are right on that, that this is a guilty world. You know, Romans chapter 3 all the way to verse 20 it drives the idea of a guilty world, that there is none righteous, there is no not one, that, that there is pleasing to God. Rather, what we see is the, on the contrary, we see the contrast of what's good and bad, and what we see is that there is no fear of God before their eyes. Welcome to 2022. We are living in a day when there is no fear of God. But know this, <laughs> one day He will come back. And while I believe He will rapture the church, and there will be a seven-year tribulation in which things will get really, 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 really bad, when Jesus Christ comes back in His second coming, when he comes back on a white horse, he's coming back with the pure, flaming wrath and judgment of God. And we need to talk about that more in the church. We need to talk about that more as believers because we need to warn people. The fear is never going to drive people to salvation. But warning them, warning them may, may soften their hearts to hear the hope we have in Christ, the hope we have in salvation and eternal life. And so, yeah, I think we are living in the, in, the, in the day when there is no fear. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I think what we need to do as believers, as followers of God, is we need to have a, a, a respectful um, approach to God. We don't treat God as our homie. We treat God as, as, a, as an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sovereign God who is in absolute control. And so a biblical fear of God for the believer includes ultimately an understanding of how much God hates sin and fearing the judgment of that sin, um, even in the life of the believer. 
and in Hebrews 12, uh, uh, 5 to 11, it, it describes God's discipline of the believer. And let me remind you, the Bible says that if you can live in sin and not are not disciplined and the Father does not discipline you, you are an illegitimate child. And so I think we come to the throne of grace daily. We come to God daily in repentance and asking for forgiveness. Why? Because we have a reverence for God. We have an all of God. And we do not want to endure the discipline of the Lord. But those He loves, He disciplines. And so I think that's always a healthy reminder um, that, yes, you're right on. We need to fear the Lord, not to be scared of God. We have no reason to be scared of God. He is our heavenly Father. Um, we have a personal relationship with Him. We have, uh, we have the promise, friends, that nothing can separate us what from the love of God. Um, we have the promise that He will never forsake us and never leave us. And so fearing God means to have a reverence and an all of God for the believer. For the unbeliever, you ought to fear the judgment of God because it's coming. Those who have never placed their faith in Jesus Christ in the death, burial, and resurrection, the, the Bible is very clear. You ought to fear God and fear ultimately His judgment, which is going to be eternal separation in a place called hell, where there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, yes, great point. Uh, thanks for, for sharing that, um, that passage, KW. Anybody else? Hi, Pastor. Hello. Good morning. I, I don't know who this is. I can't see a name yet, but uh, welcome. Glad you're with us. This is, this is April. Well, good morning, April. Glad, glad you're with us. Um, glad to be here. So thankful for it. Um, yeah. Thankful for you. Um, getting me back into the book and back into the word, but well, I, praise I God. God is a God who, who does neat things and uses people uh, to do it. So praise God. Yes, sir. Um, I've got, a, I've got a, I'm kind of piggybacking on what you were just speaking about. I just happened to be um, listening on a channel yesterday and they wanted to know how do we fix, you know, these world problems and, you know, when are people going to wake up and blah, blah, blah. And somebody came on and he says, I've got a question, you know, do you actually know, um, do you know what the meaning of, of Christ being crucified, um, you know, what does that meaning mean to you? Um, do you know this? And the people kind of got quiet and then they started talking about, they just like skipped over the person who was asking if they knew Christ and what, you know, his crucifixion meant to them. Yeah. And they, it's funny because they started jumping back onto humanly things like, well, how do we fix this? Nobody's waking up. What do we do? And it was kind of disheartening yeah. because they were focused on something so small and completely pushed away the question when it came to Christ. Um, and I guess my question is, how do we... You know, get them to hear and see and know. Do we just keep asking the questions? Do we just keep coming to them with the loving questions that Jesus loves you and you need to really grab your book? Or, I mean, obviously they weren't listening. You yeah. know, they just kind of stepped right over the question. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a great observation you make. And I think we're living in a day when, when people, they, they want the, the 
they want the diamond, but they don't want the pressure. Um, they want the peace of God without God. That they want the peace that the Holy Spirit offers to the believer without the Holy Spirit being present in their life. We are living in a day when men are chasing after the things of this world. This is not our home. I don't know how to say that any clearer than that. If we're more concerned about the political climate, if we're more concerned about Donald Trump, whether he's president or not, whether Joe Biden's dead, alive, or fake, and that's our premise, we've missed it. Because let me, just let me be clear, and I try to be very clear all the time on this, because there is much, much, much confusion and much, much, much chaos and much, much, much disillusion on this topic. There is no one man in this flesh that will fix your problem. You know why I know that? Because the Bible says right here in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. If we are looking to man to fix this modern-day problem, which is not a modern-day problem, it's a problem from the beginning of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the real pandemic in this nation and in this world is a sin problem. Why? Because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We are not here on this earth to fix America. Do we love this nation? Yes. Do we love our freedoms? Yes. But nowhere in Scripture does God promise you those freedoms. Nowhere. You know why the Roman Empire lasted so long? I thought about this the other day as we were looking at the, the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament and that, that time, that intertestament period in which God was silent in, 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 in prophecies and in, in writings and such. But he was not silent in his actions. He was preparing the way for the gospel. You know why the Romans were so successful? Because they made people act like them. When people, when Rome came over and took over a city or an empire, they didn't remove the men and take them back to Rome and make them slaves like most empires did. No, they made the people conform to the Roman way. When in Rome, what? Be like Rome. That, that's where that comes from. So what we are facing in America is America forgets where they came from. Right? These men built the Constitution. These were godly men who wanted the freedom of religion. Not any religion, but they wanted the freedom to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me tell you the problem with America is that America is letting everybody else, every other religion, come into this world and change the nation. You want to come to America? That's cool. But when in America, act like an American or go back home. You see, that's the problem. But ultimately, 
the bottom line is that it's a sin issue. There is none righteous, no, not one. Therefore, whoever is in president, whoever is the leader of this nation, is a sinful man like you and like me. And he needs Jesus Christ. He needs to be born again. He needs to stand against abortion. But the Republicans didn't do it when they had the House and the Senate. They didn't stand against abortion. They didn't turn it over. Why? Because it's all about money. It's all about political power. Listen, this is not our home. We are simply sojourners passing through is what the Scripture says. And we are simply here recruiting future residents for the kingdom of God. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of man. Everything on this side of heaven is the kingdom of man. And guess who's in charge? The devil. God has given him the authority, and that's why he's called the God of this world. So here's the deal. Stop trying. People, stop trying to make what you can only obtain in heaven on earth and preach the gospel. Because the only way hearts are changed and people are saved is by the proclamation of the gospel. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And Paul says, I deliver to you that which is of most importance. Not your political agenda, not who's president, not who's in leadership. No, no, no. Nero's a bad dude, by the way. What's he say? I preached to you, I delivered to you, was the most important to the gospel that Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. For it is the power to save. So I, I think what we have to get back to is we have to preach the gospel. We don't save people. We are simply the deliverers of the message. And we trust that when we go out, and we preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the euangelion, if you want to get into the Greek, simply means good news. The good news is this. You can be saved from the wrath to come. This world will burn. Everything in it will burn. So let me ask you this. If Jesus comes back tomorrow, what would it ever matter who's in leadership? What, what, what would it matter? These are temporal things. What we need to get focused on is eternal things. And eternal things are not the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen, those are eternal. So preach the gospel. Preach the good news. That's what we need to do. And guess what? They will suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and they will ignore, and they will, they will flip back because why? They are depraved. And they know not what they do. They do not have God in them. They do not have the gospel. They do not have the spirit of God indwelling them. And therefore, they chase after the things of this world. But let me ask you this. To all of those who are spending your time, your talents, and your treasures on those things that are temporal, can you imagine how much money is being dumped into the political arena these days? And it's temporal. It's not even eternal. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Listen, here's the deal. We just need to preach the gospel. The Bible says in the last of the last days that people will become lovers of self, boastful, arrogant, revilers. We are living in those days, and people are pursuing the methods of man rather than the methods of God. God has called us to preach the gospel. We preach the gospel in those political arenas. 
We preach the gospel wherever he gives us the platform. So if it's on another channel, share the gospel. And let he who has ears to hear, hear. And he who does not, dust the feet off your shoes and move on. So that would be my encouragement, is to just be faithful in preaching the gospel. Preaching Christ and him crucified. And the way into the Lord is is by, by the way of the gospel. And so... I hope that's helpful. I know that's controversial. I know I made some people mad, but that's okay. I'm not here to people please. I mean, we know that the Bible says in the last of the last days, people accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. There's plenty of channels who have their so-called pastors who who are giving them the desires of their heart. They're tickling their ears with all this political drama. Listen, we need to preach the gospel. Because hearts need to be saved. People are dying and going to eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. If they go to hell, at least let them go with us wrapped around their knees trying to prevent them and preaching the gospel. So that would be my advice. I hope that's helpful. Anybody else? Good morning, Pastor Stewart. This is Deborah. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm good. doing good. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. We're waiting on tornadoes over here. And oh, no. We'll be praying for you for sure. Y'all do because Tuscaloosa seems to be the, I don't know, it's like they just, I, tornadoes just love to come through here. Um, I, I really read Romans 3 over and over again and even went and studied some other um, explanations of it. And then thinking about what you just said and what others have said, you know, this was message was given to both the Jews and the Gentiles, or the Jews and the Greek. And I think, you know, it, it illustrates to me that just like the Jews, they thought because they had the law um, and were following it or not following it, but they thought that was going to make them righteousness. That's the way I read it. And and then and they still think that they still they think still that think the fulfilling the law is the way into salvation. But the law we know was given to condemn. It was given to show their need for a savior. And um, that's a promise I see in verse twenty. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So you correct. look at people today and they think they think, Well, I'm doing good just like you said, it's not by your works. But they have built this religion for themselves that I'm a good person. I know the Ten Commandments. Whether they read it from the Bible or they were taught by their parents of things you shouldn't do um, or going to school. You know, you shouldn't be lying. You shouldn't steal. Um, So I think these people, like I said, have built up this false pretense that they're godly and that they, but they don't seem, they never talk about salvation. And um, the young lady, the lady that spoke about forgiving herself of sins, I saw that as a promise in verse 25. Mm-hmm. Because, because in God's merciful restraint, and I think that, is, that restraint is a powerful word, that even though that God knows that we sin, he has restrained himself from punishing them he sent his son instead. Yeah. He sent his son instead so that sins previously committed go unpunished. Yeah. And I, I just, that was a very powerful to me. Um, 
standing out this morning, and the last one was verse 28. Mm-hmm. A person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Yeah. And uh, those those were the highlights out of chapter 3 for me. Yeah, no, and, I think that's a great a great response. Um, um, I, I think that uh, both of those are really important and examples to follow and and um, and really scriptures to memorize. I mean, because there is much confusion, and so um, we 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 do not fulfill Torah. Um, we we are unable to fulfill Torah. We certainly try. That doesn't mean we that Torah is bad. That doesn't mean the law is bad. That doesn't mean the first five books of the Bible are 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 no good or out of date. No, we try. Uh, to honor God as believers and followers of Christ, and we bear the fruit of the Spirit as Christians. But when we sin, when we break the law, not if we, when we, because you will, whether it be you look at a woman with lust or a man with lust in your heart, whether you lie, whether you steal, whatever it is, we are called to repent and to trust God. It's not about keeping and fulfilling the law. It's about trusting in the saving grace of Jesus Christ and his sufficient death on the cross, his substitutionary atonement in which he imputes to the believer his righteousness, simply meaning he credits that righteousness on our account as if he he committed, personally committed your sins and my sins. That's what he did on the cross. And so that's the great news of the gospel. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, good good point. Well, guys, I am, I've got some things I've got to take care of today. I pray that you found this a blessing. I certainly look forward to our time again as we approach Romans chapter 4. And, uh, and I pray that uh, you'll, um, you'll read over that. And as we meet again next week, um, that you'll prepare Uh, your observations from the text about sins to avoid, promises to keep, examples to follow, commands to obey, and uh, and Scripture to memorize. And I know that that will be a blessing for you and for me and for many uh, to hear those. So, guys, God bless you. I'm going to pray, and then uh, you have a great day. Keep the faith. Press on. Be awkward. Go share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll see you again on Thursday, and uh, Pastor Gideon will not be with us tomorrow. Um, He's got some things happening, and so uh, we'll be back on Thursday and Friday, and then Sunday morning we'll be back at 11 o'clock here on Getting in the Word on Rumble, Telegram, every other platform that's available. So let me pray, and we'll, we'll finish up. Father, we thank you for this day. We love you, and we ask that you use this uh, day for your glory. And we ask that uh, you allow Romans chapter 3 to really penetrate our hearts and our mind, to bring the reminder that there's none righteous, no, not one, but Christ. And Christ paid for our sins on Calvary, and uh, he became the righteousness. uh, And, uh, Father, we, we become the righteousness of God in him, not the other way around. And so, Father, we thank you for the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in your provision for our salvation, for we are certainly not good, only in you. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you, and we ask you bless these things in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. 
And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.